Welcome to the show. Great to be with you today, wherever you are listening to the show on Catholic Catholic Radio. There it is, of Acadiana or on the podcast. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk. What's up, Paul George? Hey, good to see you, my friend. It's been uh, a few. You know, we've kind of had an interesting last couple of weeks, um, to say the least, um, which I think... Uh, we could start off with I Have You Seen. What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real, though? Now, Uncle Chad used to come in with a Have You Seen. You Poor know? Uncle Chad. Whoa. And he would get excited like that. You yeah. Know? And, yeah. Uh, but he's not here. It's just you and I, the original duo mm-hmm. in studio. It looks like that's going to be the case for a while because Chad's off and starting a new career, which is exciting for him and his little family. Um, but it's been a weird, interesting couple of weeks, you know, so I have you seen is not so much a funny thing or like a weird thing. Like, have you seen this? It's an actual, (laughs) like kind of a serious thing Mm -hmm. uh, actually is, have you seen Hurricane Ida and the devastation, right? That, that just wrecked through South Louisiana and here in Lafayette, like where we were, like we were on edge and a lot of people evacuated for us here like you know we weren't affected right but everything southeast of us you know Homa Thibodeau uh South Lafouche New Orleans the North Shore Slidell Covington Hammond like you know all that area was really really ravaged affected some people say it's the you know the most devastating as far as like um damaging storm you know Um, not so much life loss, praise God, but, um, I went down to Homa to help some friends and it is anything like I've ever seen. Now I lived down there for eight years through Hurricane Katrina and Rita and Gustav and, um, you know, pretty bad stuff, right? Katrina Mm -hmm. was the most lives lost and something we'll never forget, but I have never personally seen, you know, wreckage like this from a storm that I did with Ida by going down there. Really, really, really sad. Yeah, and I mean, if if you haven't lived through a hurricane of this magnitude, the, when you see on the news winds of, a, you know, sustained winds of 150, let's say, or gusts of 150 or higher, that's basically a tornado speed of wind, you know? And so anybody in that area or any structure, any building, any anything... Um, those gusts that come pretty regularly, it is like a giant tornado just ripping through an area or a city. And I mean, that's exactly what it looks like in a lot of these areas. Yeah, I would describe it as that. It's the path of a tornado with the, you know, the mass size of a hurricane, you know, so where you, a tornado passes and it's like, you know, like a, a street has just been wrecked, right? Houses and whatever. But when a hurricane comes, it's a mass, and it's a devastation of a tornado with the mass of a hurricane. And, you know, the, the sad part about it, you know, and, you know, you hear all over the Internet, people are like, well, why do people live down there? It's like, why do people live anywhere? You mm-hmm. know, there's there's natural disasters and whatnot. Uh, you know, so the reality is, is that... Uh, there's people who are suffering and hurting, right? And this is the time where it's like a couple of weeks out or whatnot where we forget about it. 
And the reality is down there is that people are going to be without power. So let me explain that. No electricity, right? Uh, no air condition, no hot water, no lights, you know, many, the ability to run running water or things like that for a while. Like it's, it's, it's not coming back because power lines are just snapped. Poles are snapped in half, like just miles of it, miles and miles of it. And so we, one, need to pray for folks. Uh, two, if you can, if you can help in any way, right? Like, uh, go and help three, you know, donate, give money, you know? So here, because you know, Lafayette could be a holding spot to send resources. You know, just go to Catholic Charities of Acadiana and donate goods or donate your time. You can sign up and volunteer. You know, we don't want to forget about people who are suffering and hurting because our response is, as a Christian is to help and to serve, you know. And you may not be able to sling a chainsaw, but you can volunteer, you know, in a shelter or you can you know, donate some money or some supplies or whatever the case may be to respond to it. So let's, let's not forget about hurting people. Yeah. And be sure to talk to your pastor at your parish too, about what the parish is doing, because sometimes that starts a conversation that isn't being had yet. Cause we kind of assume that, you know, everybody's talking about this. Everybody has something um, going to help the relief effort, but it's those creative, innovative ways that you and your pastor you know, think through that can lead to a big difference. So for example, I saw um, St. Peter's in New Iberia, shout out to them, but they were having work days as a parish where they would meet for mass in the morning um, and with their pastor head down to Homa. And I think they did the past three days in a, in a row. And it looks like a great thing to do. And maybe your parish can't do something like that, but that started with a conversation that somebody had with the pastor, like, hey, what can we do? And what they decided to do was to pick one a group of people that needed help. So they went to a particular church parish that was destroyed, and they're helping their church get back together so that the people can have mass there again and have hope again and strengthen the community again. And so a lot of times it's it's praying through and discerning what God's calling you to with your church and seeing how can we help somebody down there. And God will show you who to help. God will send you to someone. The Lord likes to send people, you know, and so if, if we say, send me, he'll he'll do it. Yeah, the one beautiful thing about South Louisiana. And if you're not from here, haven't visited or live here, you listen on the podcast. So I went down there just to help some old neighbors and friends, you know, drove some supplies down, help in their yard, clean up, whatnot. Still no power. You know, there's a gasoline shortage. There's a lot of things that are, you know, in effect here. And I was, I was helping an, uh, an old friend and uh, they're like, you know, on the way down, driving down here, I listened to your podcast. I was just listening through podcasts. They named some other ones, but I was like, really? Like, you listen to it. This, wow. this podcast? Yeah, this one. Whoa. Um, and I just thought, you know, sometimes I think, you know, why why do we keep doing this? You know, and it, mm -hmm. and it could be someone who's listening, turns it on, and we don't know about it. And the Lord uses it to kind of bring some hope. And And here's the situation is we've all been through times of, disaster, destruction, personal, physical, mental, spiritual, whatever the case may be. And the toughest thing to lose in those moments is the loss of hope, right? Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a sense that, that I feel hopeless and that, that seems to creep in, in our lives and particularly in times of devastation, right? And our job is to help bring the hope of Jesus and Christ 
And in this area in South Louisiana, you know, faith is huge. It's big. It's essential. You know, even for folks at times who have fallen away from the faith, it's moments like these where the church is present, not only physically the church, sacramentally the church, but the church being us, the hands and feet of Christ, right? Where Jesus becomes really present. You know, I, I saw a, a mass being celebrated where the, the church had roof had been taken off and it, mm-hmm. there was no, and they just like, we're going to gather in lawn chairs and have mass, right? Like we're going to, in the middle of destruction, faith is going to still be here. God's going to still be here, right? And that's hope. That's a, that's a sense of hope that, that we have to have. And there is a sense of that, right? But we're also those people um, in times like this to help bring hope, you know? Um, and so, you know, any way that, that we can respond to that is, is great. Yeah, and obviously people need our prayers, and so we continue to pray. Um, but this recovery is going to take a while, you know? And so... Again, talk to your pastor. Maybe there's some long-term relationship you can have with a particular community or parish there uh, to help serve fellow parishioners because uh, this is going to be a long-term effort. Much like you know, in Lake Charles from Hurricane Laura last year, they're still recovering, but I know it meant a lot to the church community there and to, to Lake Charles that people from this area connected with them month after month to, make, you know, to help. And so this is the same kind of situation, but in a different area. Yeah, look, a lot of times, and I've lived through this many times, and being in the situation, um, there is this feeling of overwhelmness. Like, how are we ever going to get through this? This the, the it's so big. It's way bigger than us, you know. And if you're listening, I want you to understand that no matter whether it's a hurricane, a natural disaster, or someone's going through a tough time or a moment in their life, is our ability to one just show up in a small way does make a difference. Okay. And mother Teresa talked about this specifically, you know, when, when asked how she could help the mass of people dying on the streets of Calcutta and the mass of children left, you know, orphaned and how could she, she help such a massive devastated country and community of poverty and and whatnot she's she told the story of this kid who was walking along a shore and thousands and thousands of starfish had gotten washed up at the store on on the shore and the little boy would take a starfish and throw it back in the ocean and this man walks up to the to the kid and says you know why are you throwing these starfish back in the ocean, like you're never going to throw them all back in. There's way, way too many, right? And the little kid looks at the man and and picks up a starfish, throws it in the ocean and says, well, it it made a difference for that one, right? Mm -hmm. And I think oftentimes when we think of the mass of how we can help or what we can do, my little thing doesn't make a difference. Actually, the opposite is true, right? Whatever little thing that we can do makes a difference in bringing hope and difference. So when I went down there and I just thought, you know, like I can bring food and supplies to two families and I can help chainsaw a tree in a yard. And and I just started thinking like it just like honestly, like one person at a time, one branch at a time, one little cleanup at a time, one meal at a time. And if we all did that, then it makes, you know, a larger impact. So your little part of the gospel 
makes a difference in someone's life, right? It's one little starfish you throw back into the ocean. But if we all picked up one starfish, threw it in the ocean, then the beach is cleaned up, right? And and that's what that's what community is about. That's what Christian living is about. This is what the idea that Christ moves us to 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 love and serve other people, right? And in times like this, actually faith gets stronger and not weaker. And when we come back, you know, from the break, one, one of the things I want to, to talk about today is what do we do in times of desolation, spiritual desolation, where we're hit with sort of this, this idea that maybe God is distant, and we all felt that in our life. What do we do during those times? All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you today. Thanks for listening in here on KLFT Radio, Catholic Radio for Acadiana, or on the podcast, wherever you are, wherever you live, whatever time you're listening to it. Uh, thanks for being a part of the show. Feel free to share the show on podcast, iTunes, Google Play, whatever the case may be. And uh, yeah, so it's been a couple of weeks since we recorded, but we're going to get back to it pretty regularly here. Um, we'll we were all on edge with Hurricane Ida, which we talked about in the first segment, and just praying for those folks and just continuing to lift them up and bring hope. Um, so that may be the case. You know, one of the things I was thinking about, even in my own life as of late, and oftentimes, is uh, the what do we do in times of desolation? Okay, spiritual desolation. We've all felt times of distance with God, right? Times of... Um, you know, uh, feeling desolate, um, as St. Ignatius calls it, spiritual desolation. And and that can be caused by n- numerous different things. It could be caused by a natural disaster or destruction where we just feel like, you know, what is going on? It can, it can be caused by small things in our day, little pricks at us, little distractions to, to us, um, scrolling through the internet, you know, lack of maybe consistent prayer time or sacramental life or just normal uh, day-to-day grind, you know. So experiencing spiritual desolation doesn't necessarily indicate that there's something wrong with us. It's sort of this normal flow of the spiritual life, right? This this moving from consolation, desolation, consolation, like just, you know, Think about a normal flow of any relationship. If you always felt romantically in love, you know, it just it's just not true, right? There's times where it's like, oh, it takes a little bit more work, you know, to do this, you know. Might I read the spiritual desolation as St. Ignatius of Loyola defines in his fourth rule of the spiritual exercises. So if you've never heard that, you know, St. Ignatius has what he calls the spiritual exercises, 
the rules of the spiritual life, right, that he prayed and worked out. And a lot of retreats now these days are kind of built on the spiritual exercises. We kind of draw from them in different ways to to help us in our prayer life or our relationship with the Lord. Contains attributes such as darkness of the soul, disturbance in it, movement to low and earthly things, disquiet from various agitations and temptations, moving to lack of confidence, living without hope or without love, finding oneself totally slothful, tepid, sad, and as if separated from one's creator and Lord. This is what he describes as desolation, right? Mm -hmm. This idea that today I just feel distant from God. I feel tired. I feel distracted. I feel tempted. I feel, you know, this idea that maybe God's a little distant from me, you know, things like living in a natural disaster can cause that, but normal everyday things can cause it too, right? Scrolling through Facebook all day and comparing yourself to, you know, missing mass over time and forgetting to pray, being so busy, we feel drawn in a sense of our our eyes are drawn away from God, and then we start to experience sort of this lack of hope, this darkness, this cloud over us. Does that make sense? Yeah, remember that God... God is dealing with us as we journey toward him in heaven. And so his, his, the way his grace is going to work in our life is always in a way that's preparing us for something else in this life. He's preparing us for the life to come. And that experience of desolation, you're right, it comes from so many sources. But there's, there's three main activities that grace is doing in us. One, it can be that we, we have gone further from God. Like you mentioned, getting obsessed about Facebook or social media or distracting ourselves, and then we feel a distance from God that overwhelms us. Um, so that's one thing that God will let us experience. He'll let us experience the distance we've created from Him. Right. Um, in prayer, in our relationship with others, He'll let us experience it as a way of bringing us back to Him. You know, it's like a red flag in our mind, like something's wrong, something's not right. I'm not praying as much as I ought to. I'm not doing the things I, I ought to do. And, um, you know, St. Paul had this advice. I'm sorry, it was the book of Revelation. Jesus had these, this command to one of the churches that was in a similar situation. Go back to the first love you had of the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, you become tepid. You become cold. Yep. Go back to your first love. And that, that's that first benefit of desolation is that when we allow our, our love to cool, when we stop doing the things we used to do with the Lord, the Lord will let us experience that distance. Yeah, and we, we can experience this in human relationships, right? To, to maybe draw an, an analogy here or, uh, or an example, you know, in our, in our marriages, right, is, you know, in times of desolation in, in your marriage or your friendship with your spouse, you don't feel as close, right, or as romantic or as loving. What do you do? Do you just quit? You know, do you just say, this is how it's going to be? No, you go back to what you, like you were saying, like the ways that you experience the first love or connecting back, do the simple things, going back to, oh, let's talk, you know, let's go on a date night, Uh, let's pray together, you know, let's reignite the fire, right? So we've all experienced in the human relationships, this idea of this ebb and flow from, you know, from like desolation to consolation. Consolation in the spiritual exercises is a sense of our hearts are moving towards God, right? Like 
And that's what we're created for, to be moving towards God, and we feel this sense of closeness with God. Desolation is this moving away from God, and it may not be by choice, okay? So yes, sin and choosing sin is choosing to, to turn away from God, right? And and that doesn't define our destiny. We can obviously come back and turn mm-hmm. our face towards God, reconciliation and confession, whatnot. But sometimes desolation is caused by all the things around us. It's just, right? And God mm-hmm. allows this desolation for us to experience this idea that we need Him more than anything, right? Yeah. And that's that second aspect, I think, of how God uses desolation is that when we're doing everything right, but it's time to grow a bit. It's time to grow, and it's time to um, take a big step on that path he has for us to heaven to become the saints he's called us to be. Which, by the way, all saints are heroic people. You know, it, It's heroic to reject the world and choose Jesus. Right. This is not a simple activity we're all doing. This is a big boy activity <laughs> to choose Jesus over the world. And so there's going to be moments where the Lord wants us to grow into the heroic saints he's called us to be. So natural disasters, illnesses in the family, these big things that come up that can cause this sense of aloneness is actually Christ pulling us closer to that cross to become a greater saint, Mm -hmm. to grow. Um, And and I heard this analogy one time of this type of desolation where it's kind of like tomato plants. I don't grow tomato plants. It's apparently tricky to do. But there's such a thing as overwatering tomato plants Mm -hmm. that if you give it too much water, the roots won't become strong enough or grow far enough, and then it bears a lot less fruit than if you would have given it less water. And so the Lord who knows how to bear fruit in our life and in our soul, and remember, his main fruit that he has worried about is the eternal fruit, the things that last forever. And so God will pull his presence from us. It'll seem like he's distant from us in certain circumstances and times so that we might grow in such a way that our roots become more substantial. You know, we can take things more than, you know, if you live through a hurricane like this, like Ida, and you get through it, then you're able to take that experience and grow from it and learn from it and then offer that to the world and to the church in a, in a profound way. And yes. so God will let us grow up a bit, and it stinks, it's painful. Right. For that to happen. And there are times where uh, we feel that sense of darkness over us, that cloud. Now, this is not to be um, misunderstood as if we're dealing with depression or psychological issues, right? Like, mm-hmm. if, if that's the case where there's a consistent darkness and psychological, you know, and depression, like maybe counseling or something like that needs to get us through those moments. So so let's just, you know, put that out there. There are times. Desolation isn't something that lasts forever, right? We 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 move out of that and, and come into this this time of, of consolation. So if if it's a consistent darkness over you and you're dealing with anxiety that's leading to br- depression and dark thoughts and, and some you know, you're like there's times where maybe counseling and talking to someone is is the thing to do in that moment, right? Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because it, it is important to note what is making me feel this way or what is giving me this fog or this cloud of just, ugh. And if it's a reasonable explanation, like my home was just destroyed by a hurricane, 
My spouse is in the hospital with COVID. My child is away from the faith. And when I think about it, it makes me sad. If it's reasonable, okay. But if it's day-to-day living that just, you know, well, you really need to talk to somebody about that, a counselor, someone who can help you uh, sort through. Because while desolation and consolation is a rhythm of the spiritual life, you know, life is challenging to live, and you may need some help to live normal life well. Like just day-to-day living, you may need someone to help you with that. Yeah. So, you know, we've, you know, we've, heard of the term, you know, darkness of the soul spiritually, you know, so to, to go back to it, you know, experiencing disturbance in the spiritual life, movement of lower earthly things, disquiet from various uh, agitations and temptations, moving to a lack of confidence with God, without hope, without love, finding ourselves, you know, slothful, tepid, sad, as if separated as one's creator and Lord. So there are times of that, that that can be incurred through our own choices or our surroundings. It could be momentary desolation. Um, you know, you mentioned tomatoes. Actually, if you overwater tomatoes, one of the, the effects of that is that they'll get really big and they'll crack. Oh. So have you ever picked like so a, even the fruit is useless. Yeah. The, <laughs> a cracked tomato It's because yeah, it's like, that. it's got way too much water in it. Huh? So, so it begins to crack. And in times of desolation, one of the things that we are tempted to do instead of uh, just being consistent in our prayer in the Lord, right? And just saying this time of desolation will pass. There is hope at the end. You know, God's presence is still with me. God doesn't, he doesn't withdraw himself. He allows us to experience desolation, but he's still there with us, right? We just don't mm-hmm. necessarily have that sense. In times of desolation, one of the things is just stay the course, not the course in bad choices, the course in, you know, staying with the Lord, right? Like yeah. this will pass. One of the, you know, the, the sort of the temptations in desolation is to fill my life with... um what what you would call superficial consolation superficial mean you know it it, it's it's earthly Mm -hmm. consolation in the sense of like let me have a drink there's nothing wrong with that but let me use this drink to pull me out of desolation let me drink too much Mm -hmm. let me work more let me let me fix this desolation by surrounding myself with earthly things that will give me monetary happiness and joy and yet it's passing, right? So the alcohol will end, the work will end, the money will end, you know, the whatever will end, right? And then we find ourselves back in desolation. So knowing that like the earthly things, although there's some things that we can enjoy that are good, that there's nothing wrong with, if that is what we're looking to to pull us out of desolation, that will not be the solution. And for a... Christian, there's a particular emptiness and all that because I think a third experience of that darkness or that desolation is that as we first come to the Lord, a lot of our virtue or a lot of our good habits are actually built upon pride um, and kind of self-importance. For example, let's say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very polite to people and kind to people, right? At first, that might be because 
I think I like the way people view me as a kind person, so I'm just going to be kind and patient, you know, these kinds of things. But as you grow in the spiritual life and you become more humble, something interesting happens. Your pride is taken away, so it's or you grow in humility, I should say. And now you start to care less what people think about you. And so you'll be tempted to be short and rude with people and to say things because you just don't care what they think, but in a good way. So as we grow up in the spiritual life, those little consolations like you're talking about that that seemed to work in the past won't work for us anymore. And so we we start drinking. We need to drink more. We start um, we we get new temptations we never we never had before because now we don't care about these earthly things because we love the Lord. But in those moments of desolation, we want to turn back to them. But they're so empty to us now because we know we know that this isn't enough. We know that this alcohol isn't enough or this relationship isn't enough or this movie or this thing I shouldn't be watching is not going to be enough. And so there's this like double emptiness to all of this. And that can be a scary place for the Christian who's experiencing this desolation to try to turn back to a life that they know is so empty. Yes, exactly. And we've all been there, you know, like we've all been in these moments where the superficial thing even if it's not bad, gives us this momentary consolation. And we think, oh, okay, I'm better. You know, mm. the sun came out today or I had a couple of drinks or I just scrolled through the internet and uh, I just went shopping, you know, and I bought some things I really wanted or needed or loved, you know, um, whatever. And it, for a moment, it's like, oh, this is, you know, I feel better. And then, it, and then the desolation comes back, you know, knowing that, you know, one, I got to, differentiate am I dealing with depression or is this just spiritual desolation right and just really kind of being attuned to that and and kind of tracing tracing it back to like what's the root of this you mm-hmm. know what's causing uh this moment right the, this time and it's in times of spiritual desolation as you mentioned earlier that we grow the most God allows it for our spiritual growth because in times of desolation is when we lean in hard and more our prayer becomes more vibrant our our trust becomes greater our ability to rely on the lord becomes uh, more focused right so that in times of consolation we enjoy it but we have the tools in our tool belt to deal with the desolation, because here's the thing: if, if we, at the end of the day, if we think that desolation is just self-driven, we're wrong. It it can be. It's also allowed. But here's mm-hmm. the the uh, the third thing that we haven't talked about is that the enemy uses spiritual desolation oh, to yeah. draw us further and further away from God, to make us feel like God does not exist, care, or love us. Right. Mm-hmm. The temptation can be so strong to believe that, that the enemy will use that lie and draw us further and further away. And I've seen people drift into desolation and not come back, Mm -hmm. right, spiritually, not come back to the faith because that lie has just crept in and the enemy has just drawn that person so far away. Not that they can never come back, but they haven't yet, right? Mm -hmm. So we must also understand that if we're going to believe in God, we certainly have to believe that the devil exists too and is out to wane our soul, to draw us away from the Lord, to tempt us 
with little things, big things, mediocre things, slothful things to, mm-hmm. to, to turn us away from God and his goodness. Yeah, and one of his biggest tools is that a lot of us, or all of us, have this certain pride that we're tempted to where we want to be the best Christian we can be for God, and we feel like a failure every time we're tempted, every time we sin, every time we didn't keep up the prayer practices we thought we'd, we'd keep up. We get the sense that we have failed and no longer worthy of God's love, or we've disappointed God so much that we get a sense of despair and this idea that maybe it's just not worth it. You know, like, I'm just no good at this. And you could struggle with that for decades as a Christian, and the devil used that constantly in those moments of desolation to keep you from the Lord. And the way to break free, another Ignatius, Ignatius of Antioch, offers a great um, advice on that. He was talking about distractions in prayer. So like Ignatius of Loyola was talking about, part of that desolation experience is that you go to pray and you're just distracted the whole time, whereas you used to have really good prayer time. Well, St. Ignatius of Antioch, different Ignatius, says, if the devil distracts you like that, distracts you from prayer, pray more than you would have if, if he didn't distract you, and he'll start leaving you alone. So in other words, if I go to pray, and let's say I go to meditate on Scripture, and I normally do it for 20 minutes, and I go to pray, and my 20 minutes was full of distractions. I was thinking of everything else except Scripture. Okay, well, pray more. Pray 20 minutes more, <laughs> even if it's distracted. Because the, the reason the devil is distracting you, or the reason that's happening, is he doesn't want you to pray. He doesn't want you to be close to God. So if every time he brings that type of desolation into you, a new temptation, a new distraction, whatever, you double up your prayer, he will leave you alone eventually. You want to double down? You want to double up? That's right. I mean... That's, that's how you kick him out. <laughs> that's it. And so if you feel unworthy of God's love because of your sin, your temptation, your distraction, whatever, spend twice as much time with him in the Eucharist, in prayer, in, in meditation, and the devil will learn to leave you alone and stop messing with you. <laughs> Amen. All right, we're going to take a break. Actually, when we come back, I said actually, because we actually will come back. This time it's for real. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about like what are the tools, what are the things that we can do to help move us out of spiritual desolation. All right, we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening in to the show here on Catholic Radio for Acadiana or on the podcast, wherever you may be. We surely appreciate you being a part of the show. We're excited to be back recording the show and getting consistent with it, particularly after a crazy summer and hurricane season and whatnot. So thank you, Adam. Deacon, thank you. Adam, for, for getting back to it. You know, you've had it started a new job. Yeah, um, things are going well at John Paul the Great Academy. You're doing your thing. Uh, I'm doing my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's great to be back together. 
It is. So a little consolation here in the studio this morning. A little consolation. A little consolation. So we've been talking about spiritual desolation and consolation. Honestly, it's the, a feel-good show. The the, <laughs> the you know the theme of the show really it just kind of came through me just thinking about my own life, right? Like mm. and just oh, like I definitely have and am and at times you know um, experience spiritual desolation. So has everyone else, but just recently it's been on my radar a little bit more. And I was like, you know, let, let's talk about this and dive in. And, and I want to do more uh, on this, you know, I do want to earmark and just say like in times of my spiritual desolation or desolation. So, so me personally is, you know, also have to pray and, you know, journal or be self-aware of what's causing the desolation. Okay. Is it, is it personal sin? You know, is it lack of consistent prayer? Um, or are there agitations that I'm inviting into my life, bad habits, more time on the internet, laziness? So I invite all those things in, and it really moves me into desolation, right? And we'll talk about the tools that kind of move us back towards God and out of it. Or, as we mentioned earlier, is, it, is there a deeper-rooted thing that's causing some desolation? Therefore, like some depression, some maybe some old wounds I haven't dealt with, some old memories, some old, you know, habits that I have yet to bring to the Lord and deal with. So maybe I need to talk to someone about an issue, right? It's not mm. just like, oh, I'm going to blow this off. Satan's tempting me or I'm in spiritual desolation and I'm going to come out of it. No, maybe there's something deeper there as well which is great because God's bringing up, as you mentioned earlier, a time of growth. So the desolation is saying, you know, what is God asking me to grow in? Is it more virtue, more prayer, more whatever? Great. Are there deeper issues there? If so, deal with them, you know? And so I've really been kind of been in that space lately and just saying like in times of desolation spiritually, or is there more at play there in my life that I need maybe to talk to a counselor about or a mentor or go on a retreat and spend more time kind of marinating in in some things, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's being aware is the first thing of being aware of what's at stake here, what's going on, what's the underlying issues as well, so that the next time I experience desolation, maybe it's it's no longer rooted in that in that sense of depression, but it's just this, you know, deep spiritual time, right? Yeah, and, and every experience of desolation, whether it's caused by the Lord, allowed by the Lord, caused by the enemy, wherever desolation comes, like you said, it's an invitation to growth. But there are going to be some times when we feel that desolation, and it involves, or it's inhibiting a major relationship of our life. So my desolation is inhibiting a healthy marriage. My desolation is inhibiting a healthy parent-child relationship. My yeah. desolation is inhibiting my work relationships. We need to count among that too. My desolation is inhibiting my relationship with God. In other words, I'm I stopped going to mass, I stopped praying, I stopped going to confession. Like that's a major relationship of our, of our life with God. God's not just a hobby. It's not like, oh, I used to play golf, now I don't play golf. It's not like I used to love God, now I don't. He's a core relationship of our life more than our spouse and children and, and coworkers and things like that. And if an experience of desolation 
touches on something that it's inhibiting a major relationship, you need to talk to somebody. Now, who to talk to is, is part of the discernment, but you need help. Because sometimes desolation is not inhibiting relationships, but the pursuit of getting out of that desolation or the, the growth that God wants to give us is going to deepen those relationships, but not in such a way that you know, I, I've been inhibited from them. This happens in marriage all the time. Right. You know, when you, when you go through marriage and go through the years, you'll have experience of, why am I bitter to this person? Why do I feel like we're not connecting or we're not clicking? And it's going to be recognizing that and then pursuing that that deepens your relationship. But sometimes you're inhibited from doing that. There's something blocking your ability to communicate, to work through it together. You and God, you and your child, you and your spouse, you and your coworkers, that's when you definitely need someone else involved in the situation to help you see things and sort through it. And look, I want to make it clear. I'm the first to admit that there have been times in my life and still are and probably always will be uh, times where desolation uh, is is a fleeting moment. And there's times where the desolation is heavy and it's rooted in other things, you know. Mm -hmm. And so getting back to maybe talking to, you know, my mentor, you know, in a deeper way. Uh, talking to a counselor, maybe there there's something that's being brought, an old wound or something that I haven't thought about. So, like, that's important to bring all that into context because we, we can over-spiritualize sometimes our emotional baggage or mm-hmm. our old self or our brokenness or our wounds, over-spiritualize it in the sense of just saying, oh, like, this is just temptation and I'll move out of this. No, if it's consistently kind of comes up in your life and it and it moves you to in effect to distance yourself from your human relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Then there's probably something else at play and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. What 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 the work that needs to be done is is just more self-work, you know, in in dealing with that and that will help you in the spiritual life. Uh, even more so. So God brings that up for our own healing because Jesus is the divine physician. He is not only a physical healer, he's a spiritual and emotional healer. He can heal us emotionally and spiritually from our brokenness and our woundedness, right? Mm -hmm. From our past mistakes or things that have been done to us, the trauma that we've experienced or whatever the case may be, right? Jesus can heal us. Sometimes we need someone else, a third party, to mediate that process, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that can be a great freeing exercise and thing for us to do. So consider that as well if you experience desolation consistently and heavy, 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 and it doesn't go away, mm-hmm. you know. But when we talk about spiritual desolation as well and moving out of that and, and moving towards God, you know, very simply, you know, four keys to that. One is... is to stay consistent in your prayer. So if you've gotten away from that, it's gotten inconsistent, or you are consistent, is to stay consistent praying. And you kind of mentioned a little thing is if you pray 15 minutes, maybe add 10 more minutes to that, right? Add a little bit of time of leaning into prayer. Um, and just stay consistent in that. You know, read the Gospels. You know, uh, Read the scriptures where there's a sense of hope, God's presence, and just stay in the truth of God in your prayer, but be consistent in that process. You know, so 
find a time, a consistent time every day that you pray and just show up in prayer. You don't have to have things to say. You don't have to have it all together. But just show up and be in the presence of the Lord, Scripture, adoration, whatever the case may be. And that's one of the ways God's going to deepen your humility through desolation and prayer. Because we all have a certain taste of our own greatness through original sin and woundedness to where, you know, like if we go to pray, scripture reading or something else, we, I think we've all been there. And we get some kind of insight and we think, oh man, now I got it, you know? And like everyone's going to love this insight of mine and I can't wait to share it. And our prayer time can easily become about us and feeling like we're really good Christians, feeling like God really loves us. And God wants to move us from that consolation junkie prayer to prayer really just being content in God's presence. And one of the ways he does that is gonna, he's going to take every pleasurable thing about prayer away other than the knowledge that God is still with me. Right. You know, other than I know through faith that God is actually here in my prayer, he's going to take everything else away sometimes so that we learn to love that the most. And even if we have distracted prayer, a prayer we don't feel warm and fuzzy about, it's prayer. Mm-hmm. And it's time with God. Right. And if we stick with it and stay with it, what we'll notice is that we actually love God on a much deeper level. And we're less in love with ourselves and more in love with Him. Absolutely. So stay consistent in that. I know when I get back into the rhythm of that, whether I feel great about my prayer time or not, like it, there, there's fruit because it's consistent and I'm just sitting in the presence of the Lord. The second of that is your prayer leading you into a time of meditation, like in a sense, meditating on the goodness of God, right? I don't journal a lot. I know people who journal more. But the times that I have journaled have been in times of desolation. Mm-hmm. In a sense of writing it down, meditating on God's goodness, His truth, right? What is He saying? What has God done in the past that I can remember Oh, God was present at that moment or then. And so I'm writing it down now, I'm meditating on God's goodness so that I can remember in this desolational time that he, God's not going to forsake me and leave me, right? Because what the enemy does is wants us to believe the lie that God doesn't exist, that God's far away, that God will not rescue us or save us and not, is not present with us. So when we meditate on God's goodness and God's truth, in scripture and in prayer and in, in church teaching, it draws us into knowing that even in this desolation, what God is present. That's the key. St. Teresa of Avila had the advice that if you're in a time of desolation and meditating where you're just distracted, like you, you, you're trying to meditate, maybe reading the gospel and you're trying to do it, you know, and you just feel like you can't. She said that don't have any qualms about getting someone else's meditations and reading through it. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about like, you know, writings of the saints, but yep. others too. So if if you find it difficult to meditate for whatever reason for this season, you know, maybe take the meditations of others and read through them about that gospel passage or about scripture and let that enlighten your, your soul and your heart. Um because again, God is letting you feel the desolation so you reach out to him more and so that you grow more. And maybe one of the th- reasons he's giving you distractions in your meditation is that he wants to reveal some things to you from another source. So not only your own thoughts and insights, but someone else's. Yep. 
And so don't be afraid to grab a little book of meditations. There's so many of them. So many. Yeah. And, and that has been true in my life. You know, one is gratitude journal, like just writing things I'm grateful for and, and seeing God's blessing, God's truth in scripture and meditating on that. But spiritual writings, you know, so I'm constantly in times of maybe dryness of prayer, going back to, you know, little spiritual writings and books that really just, man, I've read so many times and then, and it just brings my heart alive again. Uh, Searching for and Maintaining Peace by Father Jacques Philippe is mm-hmm. one of those small little 100-page spiritual writings that I probably read once a year. Like, I'll go, go back to it and be like, oh, man, there's so much. It's just kind of, it's it's helping me meditate on the goodness of God when I can't mm-hmm. generate that myself. Okay, the third is to do a good examine, to really examine our hearts and our minds uh, you know, has this desolation been caused by my own sin or my own patterns or lack of virtue or bad habits or, um, you know, superficial desolations, right? Uh, is it, you know, is it deeper issues like what we talked about rooted in other things or other lies or whatever? Doing a good examine around what's going on in the desolation, right? Because here's the thing. In consolation, we're not paying attention to those things because we feel closeness with God and, and things seem good, right? In desolation, we become very aware of our surroundings, right? There, there's a lot going on. And to, to do a good examine during those times, probably the times where we have our best confession, mm-hmm. right? Times where we're most self-aware. Sometimes we believe lies that we need to talk to someone else about, right? For sure. But a good examine really helps us during those moments. You know what you said reminds me of how, you know, we have five senses, and if one of our senses goes down, like we're blind or temporarily or permanently, the other senses get heightened and will notice things that other people don't notice. So, for example, um, the sounds in a room and what that can tell you about the room or where where you're at. If you're a blind person, you're much more aware of the sounds going on than a person who has sight, even though that's not related to... Um, hearing and it's like this spiritually in times of desolation it's like God's taking away some of our spiritual senses the things we normally pay attention to and heightening our attention our ability to be aware of things he wants to highlight and correct and a lot of times it has to do with our own failure and virtue because we might not notice how we weren't the nicest person to that person or we thought we were the smartest person in the room in this situation or we thought we had it all together and so we didn't even listen to someone in our life in that situation, in time of consolation, we might not even notice that. It's just background noise. But in desolation, we're looking, we're aware, we're saying, okay, where do I need to grow? What do I need to grow in? So yeah, that that examine can become very powerful in time of desolation because our our senses are heightened and we're noticing things we wouldn't notice otherwise. Absolutely. All right, so the last one uh, is to do penance, to, to make penance. One, make a good reconciliation and confession, right? Um, so it's a good time to to draw on the grace of God through the presence of Christ and reconciliation. But also penance in a sense of do some, like fasting, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe in times of desolation, you do find yourself having one or two more drinks more in the evening. You know, just you're just kind of not even paying attention or you're finding yourself 
drawn more on on scrolling through social media internet or shopping too much or buying things not necessarily even realizing that you're doing it and and you start this pattern maybe some bad habits and vices and the best way out of that spiritually is to do penance not only reconciliation but to fast maybe just say to yourself like i'm just not going to drink during this there's during this time i'm going to you know not have a drink for a week or two weeks like because what that does is now then that fasting is drawing you deeper into God, right? And to his, his grace, his love, his mercy, and his presence. It's helping you become very aware, fasting does, of God's presence in your life. Well, one of the profound penances you can do when you're in desolation is to be cheerful. And I know you know what I'm talking about if you've experienced this desolation in a real way, is that you want to be a sourpuss you want to be just thinking about how hard life is or how hard something you're going through is and and it's easy to treat people badly and to have a temper with people or to be short with people but a profound penance coming from the fasting coming from the those deep penances is that it gives us the strength and energy to deny our tendency to be rude to people to be short with people in times of desolation and to be the cheerful Christian we're called to be. Think about Mother Teresa. She had desolation by her count for like 50 years, spiritual desolation, experiencing a sense of God being far from her for like 50 years. So imagine if over those 50 years, she wasn't that smiling, cheerful presence of God saint that we all know and love. Imagine what little impact she would have had in the world and what little growth she would have made spiritually. She gave a, an incredible penance coming from her time of fasting, her time of mortification. She chose to be cheerful and made it a rule of her community that we have to be cheerful and caring for others and we can't have a sour look on our face. That when we're tending to the poor, we have to have a smile on our face because it's not about us. It's about they need Jesus. Yeah. And um, absolutely, and so that can be a real penance for some of us that want to just sulk. Yeah, and these are, this is one of the areas that I can get better in and work in is is doing penance and fasting outside of like the season of Lent, mm -hmm. you know, where it's it's almost like sort of forced in a sense of like we're we're aware that oh it's Lent I I need to do this. That's the program, yeah. You know, and that does help, but to to really be spiritually self-aware enough to to draw penance in t seasons where i just need to do it right and uh and that's important because the fruit of that fasting sacrifice is really a, a beautiful great spiritual discipline you know and we find ourselves particularly in long seasons of ordinary time <laughs> getting into bad habits oh yeah you know just you know we're just we just kind of it slowly creeps and creeps uh away so anyway uh this has been great man um so much so that we didn't even have time for a six pack of questions it's it's desolating <laughs> we, just, we did penance we gave up our six pack oh that see there's your dad jokes <laughs> they're coming back deegan adam Kong is back he is back and better than ever <laughs> well anyway thanks everyone for listening to the show appreciate you being a part of it uh, feel free uh, as well to share the show and uh, you can check out stuff that we're doing on discovertheartofliving.com and thanks to KLFT Radio for uh, getting the show out there and we'll be back next week. God bless.